and welcome to episode two of the Principle of Moments podcast in association with Hanover Vox Executive Search. In this month's podcast, we ask the question, does success in elite sport make you better able to manage in business? And joining me today to discuss the subject in more detail is former captain of Bath and England Rugby and director of Hanover Fox, Phil de Glanville. So I want to start with two quotes. Leaders are made, not born. And they're made by hard work and effort, which is the price all of us must pay to achieve any goal that is worthwhile. And people who work together will win, whether it's against complex football defence or the problems of modern society. Those are the words of Vince Lombardi, who, amongst others, coached the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers. Never experienced a losing season. Now, teamwork and self-discipline, his mantras for success in sport and in life. And as far as mantras go, if you follow those, you're never going to go too far wrong in life. Absolutely, Tim. Yeah, it's a combination of talent and hard graft. You know, when, when you look at uh, the sporting world, you know, all you see probably when you're you're watching a match on the weekend is the is the end output. There are hours and hours and hours, and in many cases, years of of practice and hard graft that's gone into that performance, that eighty minute, that ninety minute performance you're watching on the pitch. Without all the hard work to go alongside supreme skill, you'll achieve nothing. When you look back on your time, you were lucky enough to work with two highly successful coaches, Jack Round and Sir Clive Woodward. Did you have an awareness at the time that you were working under both of those men, that you were learning specific traits that you would be able to employ in later life in a business environment? I don't think anyone in the moment is aware of that. You know, it's very hard when you're actually in that day, as it were, to bottle the learnings you have. It's only when you reflect and, and look back on things. You don't have to leave it too long to do that. But it's only when you reflect and look back that you actually realise the change and the learnings that you had. To those who've been part of a team, you know, right, right at the start of their, their lives, I think if you've always been in a team environment, it shapes you completely different to someone who is not in a team environment. And I think if you've got that foundation, you know, as a youngster, then it, it actually turns you into a completely different person in, in later life. But definitely, I think as with all things, you know, understanding what's happening to you right in that moment is is very difficult thing to do. Only with hindsight and some reflection, you can actually uh, understand it. In that elite sporting environment which you were in, how quickly did you come to understand the value of a team ethic? So if your whole life is based on playing in teams, it just develops you differently as a person who's not in that. You are always thinking about others. You are always aware of where others are. The term in rugby about game understanding, where space is, understanding where your teammates are, understanding where the weaknesses of the opposition are. All of these things you're developing. Rugby, I think, is one of the ultimate team sports because you are totally dependent on the teammates around you. The other ultimate team sport is the armed services, where you know literally it's life or death experiences in terms of how your teammates behave around you you captained both club and country how aware of the role of being a captain and its responsibilities were you when you captained for the first time and 
how long did it take you to actually become comfortable within that role? I was comfortable pretty quickly, certainly within Bath Rugby. You're part of a senior leadership team already. When I came to Captain Bath, I'd already been vice-captain the year before, so you, you're kind of on the path, as it were, to leadership from that perspective. And I, and I remember captaining the team when John Hall, who, who was the captain, couldn't play in the Pilkington Cup final. Kind of groomed, if you like, into those leadership positions. So you're ready for it when it comes. The other thing is uh, I had a strong track record of, of being made captain for several teams as a youngster I would say when you look at businesses quite often people are promoted into leadership positions without necessarily having the training that's required they, they're promoted into those positions because they're very good at doing the job they do but a leadership position is quite different uh, and in many cases people are unprepared for that if you look at the management aspect of leadership, some people just do not enjoy having big teams to manage who all need sophisticated and different management and leadership techniques to get the best out of them. And in many cases in business, that training and that, and that experience and that preparation for that is not there. How did those environments differ between elite club and country? The England environment was always a step up. We used to joke in the in the Bath team of the early 1990s, you know, that it was good enough for England, but not good enough for Bath. And that was always a kind of ambition that you were trying to set out the stall, the training and the environment and the playing environment. At the club was as good, if not better, than England. But the reality is it's a totally different environment because you are pulling together a group of people from you know, 12 or 14 or, you know, back then probably even more than that teams uh, into one team for a relatively short period to, to play international matches. You know, we used to turn up on a Thursday night in the amateur era to play an international on a Saturday. So there's, there's not much time for team development and, and to getting to know the individuals around you in that kind of 48-hour period before you're you know, thrust onto Twickenham or Paris or whatever to, to play an international. As we moved into the professional era, clearly those, those times extended. So did all of the kind of coaching infrastructure and, and the whole environment around the players uh, as that got more professional too and broken down into components of the game a much more detailed analysis and an understanding of what the opposition were going to do, how you were going to play. So the England environment was very different. If you compare it in the early 1990s to you know, when we went into the World Cup in 1999 and having gone through professionalism, it was uh, completely transformed. We look at skills that transfer between the world of sport and the world of, of business. Firstly, people tend to uh, hone in on teamwork to create a successful team everybody has to buy into one vision in real life how difficult is this to replicate in an organization that may have hundreds of employees as opposed to a rugby team or a football team where we're talking about a team of you know 11 15 and a backroom staff of maybe you know 10 or 15 more it is the hardest thing and translating what, what works in an elite sport environment into business, you have to remember that. It, you have a group of young, focused sports performers who all, as you say, are concentrating on one purpose, which is to win a competition. The focus is on your individual development, playing as well as you can week in, week out in, in the context of the team. 
You've also got a much wider age range, background, a diversity uh, in a business environment than you have in an elite sport team. Uh, the the ability to select and and recruit is is much much more difficult. Uh, even in a wider squad, uh, in in an elite sport team, you you can pick your best in a rugby context 23 each week. So you're in control of selection. Uh, and ultimately, probably the biggest thing about elite sport performance is, is everyone knows how you're doing. It's it's there for all to see every week. The scoreboard rarely lies. You've got the result of the match you've played, but also your performance. And that is now analysed to the nth degree in terms of the number of tackles you make and carries, etc., so there's nowhere to hide. It's a brutal environment when it's not going well. And you've seen some teams, you know, in the Premiership this season, you know, Wasps started off really, really well. They are now struggling right now and they've lost four or five on the bounce. Your Bath had a, had a great end of last season. They've been struggling until recently. And leading on from that as well, when you, when you look at a sports team, each player... An extended team member masters their their own position. The most successful are those who have the awareness of the role of others around them and its importance to the overall achieving of the result and the objective. Moving that into a business environment, is that feasible? It depends on the scale of the business, I think. First and foremost, obviously, what is your purpose? So what is it that the organisation is there to achieve and how much buy-in is there from everyone to that purpose? And that's always helped by a bit of a vision, you know, something inspirational about how you're going to get to that purpose that motivates people. Is what we're doing in X and Y, is what we're doing monthly, weekly, daily, achieving and contributing to that purpose? And I think there's a kind of relentlessness in the business um, about that that you have to apply and try and make sure you've got as many people bought into that. That's the critical aspect of But if you're in a global business, it's naive to think that everyone's going to be bought into that. The other aspect is is just identifying, you know, what measures you're going to use that kind of manage you and help you manage your way towards achieving that. Have you got any key performance indicators, KPIs? You know, it's not going to be every week like an elite sport, but certainly you've got to be on top of those key performance indicators on, on that journey to achieving your purpose. How important is it to be constantly looking at future needs regardless of the current levels of success and again this works in both business and in sport staying one step ahead is the essential aspect i think and it's particularly hard in a mature business and i would say also a large business your large business is often criticized for not being agile and nimble enough just coming into this pandemic, those in the last year that have been agile and have responded, have been able to make the most of the, the terrible scenario we've been in. Go back onto a sporting context. Liverpool you know, won the league last year and, and look at what they're doing in the Premier League this year. How has that happened? I mean, you can probably clearly go back for them and identify that as the loss of key players. If you take out you know, two or three critical players, which is what happened to them through injury, and their performance has, has dropped as a result. So I think trying to stay on the leading edge of this, and particularly in our technological world, which is everything is changing so fast, the pace of the change uh, to 
sustain yourself in this environment when you've got a barrage of information and a barrage of data and a barrage of decisions to make you know week in week out is pretty tough sustainability you know the average life of a ceo is you know three to four years in terms of being in post because burnout is just such an issue i do think to the point where it's pretty tough for any human being to be a, a senior leader how difficult for an individual or a company manager is it to see that maybe the path that they've chosen isn't right and therefore making change is absolutely necessary? I think this is where you know, diversity really comes into play. If you've got a good range of people who think differently in the, the advisory group or in the executive or, or in your kind of broader leadership team, there will be people within that team who you know, are, are able to spot trends or issues and be ahead of the curve rather than having to react all the time. That's the fundamental thing. You, you need to have a range of different thinkers in your team. So you're not all from the same mould. You're not all falling into the group think mentality where everyone does think it's okay. They can't see the, the, the bumps around the corner or even the opportunity. My thanks then to Phil de Glanville for joining me for this month's edition. Now to contact Phil or Hanover Fox, you can go to their website at www.hanoverfox.com or you can contact via phone on 01454 617 And that's it for this month. Thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to having your company again in a month's time. For the moment though, from me, Tim Cable, bye-bye for now.